2: Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner and my guest today is Murray Burns, keyboardist for Australasian legends, MySex. But first, if you enjoy what you hear today, on whatever platform you consume the show, I wholeheartedly recommend you subscribe so you can enjoy all of the guests I have on the show week in, week out. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and hit one of the links on the front page. Okay, Murray Burns. He was born in New Zealand, but found real fame when he moved across the ditch to Australia to tour, record, and eventually end up one of our shared musical heroes, with classic tracks like Computer Games and Blue Day, gracing radio stations and compilations and top 10s since their release in the late 70s and early 80s, respectively. As with all great stories, there's been a fair bit of tragedy along the way. Murray is now the only original member still playing in the band. But how did it all begin for this wonderful man and his music? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Murray Burns on Plains FM 96.9. Murray, can you tell me the first time you remember hearing music?
1: The first time that really, um, really kind of rocked my world would have been actually we used to go to church presbyterian church and my mother and my auntie my mother isla and my auntie wilma were choir singers and music teachers and they dominated the whole church and i I kind of almost used to shrink but i was also really proud of them how what how amazing they were singing and then i remember when before i even learned the piano they would sit in the lounge with perfect pitch and their hymn books and practice, and asked me to play the piano, which I couldn't do <laughs> anyway. But I—they d- could read music without hearing music. They had perfect pitch. They read the dots. Hmm. So that was my kind of first, yeah, introduction to music. Really. Where
2: did you grow up?
1: In in Vercargill, In Vicargo. where they roll their Rs.
2: What was the music scene? What was your first exposure, I guess, to, to live music, perhaps outside? Of the church
1: uh, Well it actually wasn't outside the church the, the The church, the Waverly Presbyterian Church Had an amazing dance called The Basement Wow I used to go down when I was 11 or 12 on Saturday afternoon Yeah And hang around these long-haired 21-year-olds Because we're talking 1969 No, 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 actually we're talking 1967 And I just used to hang around watching them set up yeah. and they let me come up and bang the drums occasionally. Yeah. And I was gone. I was bright at school. as the youngest kid at Southampton Boys High School, but I went backwards as soon as I discovered <laughs> music. And um, so, yeah, when I was 13, my parents let me go to the Waverley basement, but I had to be home by 10. I think Dad was actually on the door there, and he let me go down just to watch the bands. And um, I watched the bands and the girls.
2: Was there any separation of um, religious and secular music at home? Were you sort of uh, mm. asked to sort of keep away from the devil, oh, no, devil's no. music?
1: No, not really. Mum and Dad bought a stereo probably when I was 13, 14, and I joined the Phillips Record Club. So I just um, <clears throat> you know, learned how to wag school, and especially on Friday when our... Um, our cleaner was there, she was deaf. Mrs. Hazlitt was deaf. I used to get a kick out of playing Jimi Hendrix full volume while she was well she was um dusting and she couldn't hear a thing really. But I thought it was really funny. Um, but yeah, I just um I'd, no mum and dad were pretty cool. They liked it when I played Cat Stevens and not when I played Black Sabbath.
2: Okay. Makes sense. At whose instigation was it, um uh, for you to start learning piano?
1: Well there was a piano in all in all the relatives' houses. Mum played the piano. And um, aunts and grandparents had pianos, so, you know, I was just always in there making noise on mm. it. And then I had, I had a seven, no, six-month um, teaching by a lady called Jan Curry, who would have been 18. Yeah. And I fell in love with Jan, and she, but she married a farmer and left Vicargo. which yeah. really disappointed me. But um, she did say to my mother, I remember, that oh, he'll, he'll come back to the piano, I'm sure of it. I didn't come back to the piano till I was about 16 or 17. I played drums and bass okay. before that. Okay. So um, why
2: yeah. why did you sort of walk away from the piano? Was it too much, too much um, mum?
1: Not really. Um, well, I had a drum kit at home, so I learned to play drums. But my friend, who was a few years older than me, who was a consummate guitar player and singer at school, mm. at South and Boys High, he was putting a band together and... I, and I said, "Well, I'll learn to play bass," so I learned to play bass mm-hmm. <laughs> in his band. So um, he was a bit older than me.
2: I've had conversations very recently where it seems like there are quite a few the uh, bass playing or keyboard playing bassists. I know. It is happens a lot. John Paul Jones is yep. a um as yep. a, a classic one.
1: You know, I used to listen to. I couldn't believe it when I put on Led Zeppelin One. I. I would have been twelve. It blew my mind, mm-hmm. it blew, and you know, the sound on those first two of their Zeppelin records has not been matched today They sound unbelievable mm. so what for, the,
2: for the audiophiles and the nerds out there, there's nothing as disconcerting as hearing the version where the drums are round the wrong way yeah. <laughs> um, So what got you back into the keys?
1: Well, I was playing. I was actually playing in a cover band in Invercargill, and um, I was playing bass because the, the um, Ray, the Wing Ding bass player, left in So I I put my hand up, and I was playing with guys who were twenty three or twenty four. Yeah, and Ray came back to town, and I said, "Well, I'll go and get a piano." So I went. We I went and got a Fender Rhodes, which I still got in Dunedin. Wow. And um, we had we. Then had a band with two key keyboard players. We were called Storm, <laughs> and we did um, lots of Elton John and and. Um,
2: this is Elton John before he hits middle of the road. You I know, made dry- a bit too no, much money. Just, kind this of is
1: seventy four. You now we were doing a lot of those songs. We yeah. were doing we were doing quite a bit of obscure stuff as well, and, and we even tried our own songs. Yeah, so that, so I'm back on keyboard, and I had a clav, and i and a um, Rhodes and hmm. I'm, then I got asked to move to Christchurch to play with a prog rock band from Invercargill called Watchdog. Mm-hmm. Who, unfortunately, we never recorded, but we were really good. Yeah, Richard, the drummer, and I ended up being uh, the two Invercargill members of My okay.
2: What were you doing to support yourself all this while? Was the was, were the covers we're, gigs paying enough?
1: I, yeah, I, I eventually, I actually did my first pro gig up here with a band called Weaver, um, Larry Mackay's band. And we played at the Hillbrook Tavern three nights a week. Yeah. And I was 19 making, I had a Hammond organ and I had the Rhodes and a Roland synth and, and we were playing covers, but I was making, you know, 300 bucks a week or something.
2: That boggles. The it, was, it was amazing. How were you getting it all around? Did you have your own? Well, manager? we
1: had a residency We had a gear permanently set up. Fantastic. We would go down there and rehearse, and it was. I was going okay. I'm a pro. I'm a pro musician in Christchurch now. I'm, you know, I was pretty pretty rat.
2: So we're mid seventies at this point.
1: Yeah, we're seventy five. Seventy
2: five. What other venues of note do you remember in, in Christchurch at least, apart from Hills? Well,
1: Tadden? the the, the go to venue was the Aranui. Yep. And, oh, there was a club upstairs, I can't, the Velvet Glove. I remember seeing a band called Ragnarok there who I really liked a couple mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. And there was another one that had a really good cover band with Brian Gerard and Guidesman for Cargill mostly yeah. playing in the band, Dave Gillies and I um, can't think of the name But it. <laughs> um, there was plenty, there was lots going on, lots of live stuff going on.
2: So was it always music or was there any other career aspirations? On none, the side, no, just music all the way.
1: None. I worked as a window dresser at Miller's when I moved up here for six months. And how was that? It was. All right. I got the sack because I um I, <laughs> I told the bo- I told my boss John, it was a lovely guy, that um. Um, I'd, I told him my grandfather had died and had to go home to funeral, but my grandfather was already passed away, so I wasn't tempting fate. Technically, he had died. So. He had died. Yeah. And um, anyway, um, the insurance salesman, the old boss of the display team was an insurance salesman, and he'd, he would go around all the staff and visit visit them after work. He went to our house at Sumner, which was full of a crew from Invercargill. Yeah. And he said, um, "Where's Burns?" And Noel said, "Oh, he's off in Nelson playing with the band." So I went. I, I got back from Nelson and got the sack. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the last day job I've ever had. Um, John was really good about it. He said, I know that's what you want to do, but I've got to let you go. Fair enough. Thanks, John. (laughs) Thanks, John. And we're away. It is time to
2: play some music, and we have um, reeled off a number of local bands also. We've got Hendrix and and Led Zeppelin and so on. Um, Is there any other artist you feel uh, or band you feel has influenced uh, either your playing or writing or composition
1: across the years? Well, I have to come back to the Beatles, really, because they kind of – ticked all the boxes mm-hmm. and you know i just loved the, the sound and the songwriting and and the everything was different and they did they didn't stick to one thing they would you know i just you know the reason the beatles are the biggest band in the world and the best is because they are and um it's really hard to pick a Beatles song yeah. but here's one that rocked my world when i was a teenager. <laughs>
3: Does ooh, she does? Yes, she does. And if somebody loves me like she do me, who she do me, yes she
4: does.
2: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Murray Burns on Plains FM 96.9. Murray, outside of the uh, Presbyterian uh, Church dance or (laughs) thereabouts, what was the first big uh, gig you saw that blew you Uh, away?
1: There were two that that kind of come to memory from Invercargill. One was Blurter when they came down... Mm. With their bus and set up at the YMCA, the Invercargill YMCA, with their spaceship and and it wasn't so much the music. It was I liked the music. It was more the event. It okay. was um, you know, pretty special when I was fifteen. And uh, probably the the concert I really loved the most because um, I loved their music was was when Split Ends played the Invercargill Civic Theatre. And yeah, that, they would have. Been in their early 20s, I suppose, mm-hmm. a little bit older than me, um, okay. and but they were just, you know, sublime. Yep. I just loved mental notes and everything about it as a record and great to live. Um live. Mm. Yeah, no, it was amazing.
2: So you're in Christchurch, you are playing uh, professionally, um, you're playing around South Island, at least. Um, how was my sex? How did that come together?
1: I eventually ended up in Wellington. hmm um, Colin Bailey, who's from Christchurch, he was putting together, along with um, an owner of nightclubs, um, a kind of a dance, disco, funk band. I'm not sure how Cole heard about me, but they invited me to go up and play in the band. called Red Rose, we were. Red Ruse. And we I sort of went from playing kind of pop and rock into playing... We we're doing kind of pretty hardcore funk really we we're doing yeah. parliament a higher players probably the most commercial stuff we would have been doing would have been the commodores okay who we actually ended up supporting wow and um that was that was a pretty pretty good night for us little Lads from the South Island.
2: For me, um, uh, who hasn't heard that much, My Sex. It's based on the you know the hit records and all of that kind of thing. It seems somewhat of a
1: departure. Well, Red Rose was a disco funk band, so okay. My Sex came after that, and My Sex was. Pretty different to that. So,
2: where's that journey? Who makes the decision? Oh, well, we,
1: we were we were playing three or four nights a week, and we we're acting on a show called Close to Home, playing ah. playing the part of Red Rose how on that, that show. How did that come about? Oh, they, you know, we were the we were the young band in town. They, okay, they wrote a... A band into the storyline, and we were the we were the obvious choice, I suppose. So I was somebody
2: mates with somebody else and said, "Hey, this would be a good opportunity." for Oh uh, well, the
1: character um, who was my friend Phil Gordon in real life, he um, we ended up living together. Yeah. He as a character was a schoolboy, took on managing a band. Okay. And we were the band. Okay. So we would go out there and record backing tracks at Avalon, and it was an amazing time. Excellent. Yeah, you know, mum and dad came to stay with me, and they said. How much money are you making? Because we were playing four nights a yep. week in the club, and yep. we would joined Actors Equity. Yes, and, and I said to Dad, "No, no, no, no." And Dad went, "You're making more than your mother and I together." <laughs> you know, I mean, it, but I went from that to meeting the guys from Mysex, who were what well, wasn't called Mysex, called Fragments of Time. Mm, yes, and they were coming through town on their kind of up and down New Zealand thing they were doing yeah and the keyboard player had decided he didn't want to play anymore and they decided they want to move to sydney yeah and they asked me would i be interested and um that, that just changed my world basically that okay. was so I, within two weeks i was um on the on the Mytex bus literally yes. And six months later we we're in sydney
2: okay um, so it was as easy as that. It was just like...
1: Oh, there's no question about it. I, I, was, switch. I was taking every opportunity that came my way. Yeah. You know, like every, every single thing that ke- f- fell on my lap from playing in the uh, the Hillsborough Tavern yep. to moving up here to play in a pro rock yep. band in Christchurch yep. to playing in a disco band in Wellington and to being invited to play with my sex. And Kevin and I that night, Kevin Standard and I, Kevin stayed at my house... And he and I wrote a song, I'd never written anything in my life, apart from doodles on the piano. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I had a songwriting partner, and off I went. It was great. So
2: very much the stars had a line, and you're off. Yeah. So you say that you are practically on the bus. Yeah. how long was your, um, or when was your first big touring experience?
1: Well, when I joined, we became MySex, okay. and I got Richard, who was in the Watchdog band, to mm-hmm. join on drums, mm-hmm. and we spent a month at the Aranui in Christchurch. Yep. yep. We changed the name to MySex. Okay. We started writing and learning, doing our own stuff, mm-hmm. and we basically worked our way up to Auckland. We had $4,000. We dumped the bus in Auckland, got on the plane to Sydney, and just went. Just went for it. Went for it, and we had no idea what we were. None of us had ever been to Australia. We had no idea anything what was going to happen.
2: Would you do the same thing again?
1: Knowing no, what I'd probably, I'd probably look at the bigger world than just little old Sydney. Okay. I'd probably want to live in Sydney, live in Australia, and take on the world like London, like New Kiwi York. bands do. Yeah, you know, then that's what musicians did. They went from. You know, New Zealand to Melbourne or Sydney, yeah, and not didn't really think about London or, or Berlin, which everyone goes today, or Los Angeles or New York. Mm. It was Sydney.
2: Who were your shared shared bands? Who was who was my Sex listening to or influenced by to get oh. that sound? because oh, I know you no. took the name from the Ultravox Yeah, song. yeah,
1: from the song. But we, we we played a couple of Ultravox songs. We played a couple of Stranglers songs. Yeah. So we were at the same – we just toured New Zealand with the Stranglers. It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we did some current coverage, so we didn't, didn't have enough songs. But I think who was our influence would have been more like Roxy Music or David Bowie or as far as Kevin Stanton was concerned – people like Alice Cooper, and Kevin was really okay. into into the, theatrical Tha- yes. theatrical rock. Yep. And Kevin was the main lyricist in the band, and, and I wrote a lot of the music for our singles. And, you know, every, I mean, everyone threw in ideas, and there was a few other great songs. Richard wrote some great songs, Richard Hoskinson, our drummer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think being coming from the New Zealand cover thing, as opposed to, say, split ends who uh, are a unit I think from university kind of thing. Yeah, we were just influenced by all the sort of different songs okay. that we had learned and played. Yeah, you know, I'm. I was recording a guy doing a um, a song the other day. Um, oh, what's his name? Graham Parker, mm-hmm. and he said. This kind of sounds like you guys and I said we used to play a Graham Parker song and he said well it's, it's rubbed off on the song of ours called but you don't care yeah. and I listened to it and compared the two and I went God he's on the money yeah so we were influenced by what we were doing and what was around us and we got really influenced by the Australian rock thing mm-hmm. so when we arrived there we we were we had a bit of punch yeah but you know we went to see the Angels of Midnight Oil and. You know, the guitars were up and everything was in your face. Yeah. And so we went, okay, well, let's get in the face thing, but let's throw in the synth, was no one's doing over there.
2: With a bit of theatricality.
1: And all that and stuff. And, all yeah, and we were, you know, we came at the right time and had our short haircuts and our black jeans and yeah. our black leathers and kind of went, hey. So, we came in and came in undercover at night time, you know.
2: <laughs> so a carnival of being sweetness and rainbows and all of that kind of thing over there. Yeah, what was the what was the bad stuff?
1: You know, we we got very big very quick. Yeah, and it was. Um, and that wasn't too was difficult unusual, to cope well. With. You know, it was it was an unusual experience. We we weren't like a genuine new wave punk band. It was in a lot of the, a lot of people's eyes very contrived yeah and it was yeah but it was still good and and if you went to a mysex show you came out going that was really something and it was yeah you know um so even though i i look back at it and go yeah we kind of we were we were almost acting on stage yes it didn't matter because i'm so proud of what we did yeah and and I meet people all the time that go. You guys are such a big part of my yeah. early twenties, and it's not not so not, not so much here. Why? But why in Australia, is,
2: obviously, because you spend a lot of time over there. But why not
1: New Zealand? I think we didn't come back here that much. We went to, we went to America a bit. Um, we probably did two tours here, and I think we I think we got really. Same thing happened here as well. We got really big, really quick, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. And I think also the the genuine, you know, New wavy punk scene that came out of Dunedin and and Christchurch mm-hmm. really stood up on on its own two feet. And yeah. I think there was there was no place for us in that. Okay. So, um, but you know, when we play now, um, which is many years later, when My plays, which is not many of us left. Um, I think people forgive and forget and just love hearing those songs in that era. At what point do you decide, okay,
2: no, nah, I'm
1: not going to do it anymore? Oh, that was in 1986, 87. Okay. That's when, we, that's when we went. Great time. Yep. We formed in 77. Okay. So we were happy to stop. And, yeah. And Steve really wanted to have a family and build a house. So he moved up to Byron Bay Yeah, before Byron Bay was, you know. A place. The place to be. Yeah, yeah. And um, then sadly Steve died in a car accident in 92. Yeah. So we would have, I know we would have picked it up and played again. Yeah. And it's only in the last, you know, sort of seven or eight, nine years that a friend of ours, Steve Belby, he's um, Come on great front man. He. Well, he's actually the bass player at Noise Works, but he's always, you know, wanted to be in front of a band, and he loved My Sex. and he he and Don met somewhere in Sydney at a gig actually, and said, "Let's let's let's do My Sex. I'll come and sing for you."
2: So John Stevens was never on the cards, or it just wasn't, you know, it didn't have the relationship.
1: John's actually sung, uh, a with us a few times. Yeah. not not the present band, but when when. When Steve died, he was Steve was really loved in Australia, yeah. and there was um, an event put on, two events, one in Melbourne, one in Sydney, and pretty much everyone came along and sang. And we we also did a Mysex set, and and John Stevens sang two Mysex songs in that, and it was actually quite amazing. Yeah, you know, he is an incredible singer, there's no mm. doubt about it. You know. Yeah, but um, Steve Balby just. You know, captures and, and loved Kevin's lyrics and Kevin's theatrical side to us, and so in a way, in a way, Steve Belby he he's got his own take on on the My Sex songs, mm. and in some ways, you know, I think Kevin would just be absolutely knocked out if he heard what. What Steve does with his lyrics. It's really cool. So he's brought a new lease of life oh, to the for material. Sure. We're having fun. That's cool. We're having a great time. Look, yeah. we really love playing. Yeah. And sadly, you know, I mean, Don's gone. Don, you know, Don died in August last year. He had from bloody prostate cancer, you know. So sad. And then and then COVID, Paul and Colin came back here. So being four of us and now it was just me. But the guys that are playing with the band have been playing for six or seven years yeah. and even though it's not the original band we love it and we're going to keep doing it until we stop liking it okay. you know it's good fun
2: it is time for some music <clears throat> and i do ask um about a uh, favorite track you have selected something from Procol harem um
1: why the shade of pale why that why that track? Oh, because. Well, okay, well, it's old. It's an old song. And, <laughs> and It's got some keys in it. Yeah, yeah, it's got keys in it. And I'd probably. I remember when I got my Hammond organ, um, uh, I just loved playing that song on the Hammond. And it, and it was the, the same model they recorded that song with. Yeah. And I don't know, I just love it. I think it's an amazing song. Yeah. Um, there we go. Procol Harum, Why Does Shadow Pale? <laughs>
2: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Murray Burns on Plains FM 96.9. At the end of this section, we're going to be listening to Blue Day, which is a uh, My Sex track. I wanted to ask earlier, you raised the issue of the first couple of Led Zepp albums, obviously the the genius also of George Martin on The Beatles. And I have recently listened to um, Graffiti Crimes, and it really does stand the test of Time. What is the secret, what to capturing that lightning in the well, bottle? Okay. We, what What do you reckon it is?
1: Oh, that's really nice of you to say to hear that. Um, well, we we pretty much played those two records as a band. Um, so all track together. Yeah, at yep. the same time. Yep. One, two, three, four, go. Yep. Um, we didn't use click tracks on many of the songs, although we did on computer games, because so that was done to us with yep. a sequencer. Yep. Yeah. Look, I don't know. I. Is it the having fun? Is it the? I know we were chilling, shitting, we were shitting ourselves. We were we were when we went in and did our first album. I mean, God. where was it recorded? It was recorded at EMI Studios. We did it in ten days. This is insane. Um, we did it with Peter Dawkins, who's a legendary New Zealand producer yes. who did all the Dragon stuff yep. and Australian Crawl yep. and you know a oh, lot he, heaps of people, Sharon O'Neill, and yep. we were quite nervous. It was like being kind of in. Um, being with a teacher you know i mean i don't mean that in a bad way but you know we didn't go oh can i have a bit of delay on the keyboard you just did what you were told yeah (laughs) yeah kind of you know whereas as time went on i god god i wish i had asked for that i wish we had done that wish we could have you know and we weren't invited to the mixing sessions or you know it was kind of it's just the way it was done then yeah it was you know i think that was peter's world so know? it's the
2: record company is pretty much directing yeah, traffic on that, that stuff
1: i i think if we'd been with other producers might have been different but that's why peter ran his yep. show so then we did our third album we produced it ourselves and totally stuffed it up because we didn't really know what we we're doing okay so that that's the other the other side of it you yeah. know so you still need you do need someone driving the bus but you know, you want to be able to go, can we pull over and have a swim here, you know? Okay. The
2: track Blue Day, um, that's off, where do they go?
1: That's off the fourth album, and okay. we did produce that ourselves. Okay, and how did that, how do you feel oh, no, about that? Bob Claremont produced it, Yeah. but he, he just basically made us sound good in the studio. Okay. He was a great engineer, yeah. Who great American engineer who was mixing Bowie and Springsteen and 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 coming down and producing Australian bands. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, because he had a name, people in America thought of him as a great mixing engineer. He wanted to have a go at producing. So he came to, you know, to bands like The Church and yeah. and Us. And that was his release as a producer.
2: So less of the format of the, or you should put this chord in here, or oh, yeah, I don't yeah. think you yeah, should Yeah, no, do. we it de- more-
1: definitely just did. Okay. Yeah. And, and Blue, you know, Blue Day, the reason i chosen Blue Day is because... I think it really is the true voice of Steve Gilpin. Okay. You know, um, I think was a, you know, we were trying to sort of come across as a certain style of band on our first few records. And I think with Blue Day, especially because of the type of... Colin and I wrote the song one night in a room with the power was off. and We had batteries in my cassette player and we had this keyboard and acoustic guitar and we just the song just happened, just happened over a very short period of time and Steve loved it and I think it was the first time Steve just sang as he is, you know he just was himself when he sang it he wasn't trying to be anyone or anything and um, I think it shows as time's gone on um, you know that's to me the best vocal Steve Mm -hmm. has done Okay, let's hear the track
2: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Murray Burns on Plains FM ninety six point nine. Anything you want to do still that you haven't done?
1: No, not like that. I'm mm-hmm. kind of. I just want to keep recording great songs and working with people I get on with. I have a great rapport with. Mm-hmm. I love co-writing with people. I'm yeah. a co-writer. I'm not a songwriter. I'm a good. You know, bounce the ideas off. Bouncy kind of yep. guy. I'm a c- collaborator. Yeah. Um. So I'm happy as long as, as long as that's happening.
2: So how do people find their way to you? Generally, I uh, mean, how do you how do you accept the work?
1: I don't know. There's no set rule. Everything's different. Every you know, I've made an amazing album with a guy called Drew Bowden, the Kiwi guy. Hmm. That um, you know, he. He wanted to use my studio, and I said, "Well, I'll show you how to use it." And um, this is over in Byron. Yeah, yep and um, and I said, "Where are you staying tonight?" And he said, "Well, I'm just going to sleep in my van." I said, "No, you're not. Come and sleep at my house." Yeah. So you know, we just, yeah. He said, "I'll play some of my songs," and I went, oh, "Are you kidding? I want to record that." Yeah. So that's just how that happened. And there's diff- different ways all the time. There's no set set way I'll record it. How, I form relationships.
2: How fortunate do you feel to be you?
1: I've ha- had and am having an amazing life. You know, I I sleep in if I need to, which is really good. <laughs> but I don't do that very often. Yeah, I look forward to, you know, turning on the Mac and working on whatever I'm working on. Yeah. Um, I look forward to going to the airport and playing yeah. with my sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I'm 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 really happy with my life. I'm sad that the guys in the band aren't there. I'm sad that we lost Steve and Kevin and Don. Um and Don bless him who put this new line up together and the last thing Don said to me, you know, a day before he went was keep the fire burning, Muzz and um, you know, Don just said, Just keep doing it. He loved it. He loved it. So I wouldn't have even thought about it if Don hadn't have sort of, you know, lit lit the fire. (laughs) Is there a song coming out of that? Uh, There's a few already. (laughs) Okay.
2: Looking back and, you know, somewhat of a, a charmed existence, anything you would have done differently?
1: Yeah, spoken up sometimes, you know, especially earlier on. I was the youngest in the band and, you know, on occasion I went, nah, this isn't right. This is not the way we should the way we should be doing this. Or and but I didn't, um, and I, I I wish I had of. Mm-hmm. Probably that would be about it. Because when I became more into my own being, I don't have a problem saying what I feel without having to be pushy. Um, you know, it's just ways to approach things. So that would probably you know. And I think yeah, I think my things might have been a little different, but that's okay. I mean I'm here now and
2: So let's say if there is a young musician Who finds themselves in that same position And they don't feel that they have the experience And they're not grown up enough Or have the mana at least to be able to, to speak up How would you suggest That they go about Voicing their opinions in a way That's not going to you know, shoot them in the foot
1: Well Be diplomatic Don't be pushy But just be, be strong In a gentle way And back yourself and if you can't back yourself or you don't feel strongly about it, well, then maybe maybe you're in the wrong tribe mm-hmm. or maybe, I don't know, then you do need you do need to step up and say what you think because you'll be glad you did later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, we're going to go and pay some bills. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to play mini quiz with Murray Burns. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Murray Burns on Plains FM.
1: There's only one way to settle this
2: There is another way Visit miniquiz.com and see how your general knowledge stacks up against friends, family and Darren down the road. It's free and a great way to get you ready for the big leagues. Visit miniquiz.com now. That's M-I-N-I-Q-W-I-Z.com and show everyone who the quizzed in your neighborhood really is. miniquiz.com Start small and do them all. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Murray Burns on Plains FM 96. How, how are the olives?
1: The olives are great, sorry. I, I, I faced away from the microphone. That's I, absolutely I fine. didn't hear me gorgeous. We
2: have had a, a smorgasbord uh, of tasty treats put on for us. Um, that's what it's like when you're interviewing Murray Burns. Oh. Murray, we're going to play mini quiz now. I've got 10 questions for oh, you. Lord, okay. um, you're going to have 60 seconds to answer those questions. Okay. If you don't know the answer, oh. just say pass. Okay. And pass quickly if you don't know. Okay, well. Most people don't even get to the end of the, get okay. to the, end of the 10 questions. Mm-hmm. I think you'll know a couple of these at least, yeah. which is kind of good. All right, Murray Burns, your mini quiz starts. <laughs> Who performed the 2002 best-selling single entitled Lose Yourself? Pass Which famous song starts with the lyrics And now the end is near oh,
1: I'm nervous Pass Which
2: is the largest and lowest toned brass instrument in an orchestra Tuba Which musician formed part of both Cream and Derek and the Dominoes
1: Eric Clapton
2: Which singer starred as Mayday in the James Bond movie A View to a Kill House. Which band had a hit in '83 entitled "Hold Me Now"?
1: Love that song. Thompson Twins.
2: <laughs> Which country do Bachman Turner Overdrive come from? C- Canada. <laughs> Which actress did musician Paul Simon marry in '83 before divorcing the following year? Oh God, I don't know. And your time is up. You did pretty well. Okay, let's just go oh, through those. Go through four? those answers. Four or five, or thereabouts. Lose yourself was written by Eminem. Lose yourself in oh, yeah. the moment of la 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 la. Uh, my way. Yeah, Did yeah, you say course. my
1: way? Well, no, you I didn't. knew it. I knew it. But
2: which is the largest and lowest tone? Uh, well done, Eric Clapton, Derek and the Dominoes. Um It was Grace Jones who oh, starred course. as Mayday in A View to a Kill. Oh, of course. Thompson Twins. Well done. Hold me now. Oh, uh, Tom Bailey and Alana Curry and yeah. the other go. I know. Yeah. yeah. Bartman Turner Overdrive, Canada. Well done. Yep. That's four. Which actress did musician Paul Simon marry uh, before divor- divorcing the following year? That was Carrie Fisher. No. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. Okay. So what are you doing? Who are you working with? When we um, you've you've toured with the Stranglers recently, which would have been quite a yeah, quite a f- thing. F- was fantastic. Considering you you know played some of their tracks sort of <laughs> well, early t- in the we career. We told
1: them they they, they laughed. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, it was it was fun it was yeah. fun playing with them it was actually really good fun um they were great great guys and you know um so sad that we lost their keyboard player he passed the last show he played ever was in auckland wow and he he uh, went home and two day two weeks later passed was with that um, he hard got to COVID. C- oh really yeah he did oh, well maybe maybe it was a month or something but taken quite a few very sad so what's on your what's on your agenda who are you working with what are you doing I'm making a record with this fellow Drew Bowden, yep. telling about it, Kiwi yep. guy, yep. and I'm making a record with another guy called um, Richie Williams, mm-hmm. and I'm about to start a record with, uh, with another Kiwi guy called Art Smith. Okay, from Dunedin. Okay, and I, I did an album with Art about two years ago. Yeah. And he's coming to right where we're sitting tomorrow, Mm. and we're going to start going through the new songs. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, and I'll come and record most of it in Dunedin, and drag him across to Byron Yep, as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. And what about your own stuff? Anything Uh, you're writing or recording? We've got Steve and I and Colin from Isaacs, um, uh, we've got seven or eight songs, and sort of at various stage, stages, stages, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll hopefully have a couple sort of up for people to listen to in the next you know three or four months. Fantastic. Yeah. But we we do, we do that more for love, yeah. Doing it, and we we play a few a few of them live. Yeah. They go down well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Time for one more track before uh, the interview finishes, and I believe that you have chosen something from the underdogs.
1: I have. Look, it's a really favorite favorite song of mine from when i was about eight yeah i think i can still remember the radio in the in the kitchen on a rainy sunday afternoon we had the senior request session and what and the first time i heard sitting in the rain by the underdogs it it rocked my world it was the it was the fuzz box guitar mm. um I, I realized later on it's a, a john mail song but yeah I just loved it. I loved the sound of the record. I loved hearing them laughing in the background. Um, and I still love it today. And I think it's one of the best sounding <laughs> records we've recorded in New Zealand. And I've even seen the film clip. It's a classic. Like they've just been driving along in their car and just pulled over on the side of the road and shot it. Fantastic. It's, 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 it's just a neat song. And the guitar sound is sublime. So I, love, I just love hearing it. So there it is, Sitting in the Rain by The Underdogs.
2: Murray, thank you so much for coming on the show. of joining me today on the show. Thanks also to Murray for sharing his platter with me. If you want to find out more about what Murray and my sex are up to, then head to gardenofsound.nz and click on Murray's image on the front page. I'm Ian Turner. I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. In a I was going to say you've done brilliantly. He said to a seasoned musician who's worked with um, all sorts of characters across the years
1: I'm a people person so I've just done it by you know loving being part of the pack and um, it's always worked